1: to Clubhouse Conversation. Hello, it's Dave-O, and I am glad you have found us right here on Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players, and we do it year-round. In fact, we're, what, about a week removed from the Royals winning the 2015 World Series? And here we are, speaking of world champions, joined by a guy who won one while with Toronto. Toronto. Rance Mullenix joins us today on Clubhouse Conversation let's go back though, let's start from the beginning Rance came up with the Angels organization and then was traded over to KC along with Willie Aikens, he was in that trade for Al Cowens, Todd Cruz and Craig Eaton so Mullenix gets here and spends time with the Royals as a utility infielder from 1980 to 1981 Plays in 60 games while with the Royals. You probably remember Rance most with Toronto, where he went after that. 11 seasons as a member of the Blue Jays for Rance, including the 92 World Championship, like I mentioned. A guy who's known as one of the top 50 Blue Jays of all time. And a man who joins us right now on Clubhouse Conversation, Rance Molenex, as we talk about his days growing up and coming up with the Angels and going over to KC and, of course, lots of time on Toronto as well. So, first of all, Rance, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And second of all, what's keeping you busy? What are you doing in 2015?
0: Well, here in Visalia, I have a baseball uh, school, so that, you know, I give lessons, instruction, that type of thing. I also. Uh, during the course of the summer i do some baseball youth clinics in canada which is associated with the toronto blue jay organization and that pretty much keeps me as busy as i want to be anyway and and actually a week from this saturday i'm going to fly to florida to do a fantasy camp so mostly baseball is what keeps me busy
1: it's a good life then right yes (laughs) are you still doing any tv work then these days you did some tv work for a while
0: Yes, I did that for several years, but no, I am no longer uh, involved in any type of a broadcast. Um, it was a lot of fun when I did it, when I was able to do it, but um, uh, I haven't, I think the last year that I was involved with the broadcast was in 2010.
1: Okay, so it's been a few years. Now, you know, obviously, it's been a long time since you were with the Royals, and you know, more recently with the Blue Jays. So it had to be kind of bittersweet seeing both of your, you know, two-year former teams play each other, but also exciting, I'm sure, once the Royals got past Toronto to see them in the World Series and and win that. You know, how special was that for you as a former Royal and to watch that and follow along?
0: It, it was uh, very interesting to to, uh, to follow the series. Uh, I do have to admit, I I have more allegiance to the Blue Jays than I do. To the, the Kansas City Royals, but once the Royals did win that series and move on, I most certainly was pulling for the Royals to win the World Series, and so I'm very happy uh, for the the Royals, the organization, and of course for their fans. Uh, I did see some pictures of the turnout uh, for the celebration, and it was a sea of blue. I can't. I, it looked to me like there had to be the better part of a million people uh, attending the celebration. So. Congratulations to everybody involved. It was, it was great to see.
1: Yeah, it was 800,000. What do you remember, by the way? You won a World Series with Toronto. What do you remember about that parade? Anything stick out?
0: Yeah, just, you know, the number of people. Uh, it, it, it just, you know, the number of people. I guess you just don't realize how many fans yet or, or how big the following actually is until you're involved in something uh, like a celebration following a World Series championship
1: yeah it was it was quite the sight now one other update I wanted to get to before we go back then so I watched a youtube video of you from two thousand and eight being interviewed, and you said you you boldly proclaimed i'll never get rid of the famous mustache. Are you still rocking the same mustache since you twenty one
0: yeah i still have it yeah okay i good. think uh since i was let's see how i think i was twenty one yeah um since i've been twenty one years old i've I've had it
1: so. Very good. Very I good. I don't
0: find out. I don't. I don't see what's so famous about it. But anyway, it's
1: classic. It's vintage. When you go back, you have I mean, you got to keep something like that.
0: Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just gray now. I guess that's the only
1: difference. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. Well, okay. So we've got lots to cover then. So let's go way back and and start off with your childhood then. So you grew up in Porterville, California. I'm assuming that's near Visalia, and kind of talk about your favorite team growing up. You know, and your baseball growing up.
0: Okay, I actually grew up in a very very small town about 10 miles west of Porterville called Woodville, California, which is about 25 or 30 miles from where I live now.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, growing up, of course, I played little league baseball, and then later on Babe Ruth, Connie Mack, um, uh, kind of probably like a lot of you know young boys my age at the time. You know, baseball was huge, and uh, my favorite team when I was a kid growing up would have been the San Francisco Giants and my favorite player was Willie Mays so um, that's kind of an overview of what I did when I was a kid growing up
1: yeah and your dad Harvey then I know he pitched with the Yankees organization from 1956 to 1957 so I'm assuming he probably you know implemented the love of baseball early in you as well
0: yes uh, I you know and I'm, now I'm, I'm going to reflect on what my dad told me he said, when I was quite quite young, um, I just naturally took to it. I just naturally liked to play. And when I was seven years old, uh, was when my dad started throwing batting practice to me. and from then up until <clears throat> excuse me, I signed I did sign out of high school. Uh, my you know, Dad and I spent many, 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 many days and hours. Uh, down to the schoolyard. Uh, they're on the Little League field, um, you know, working towards the goal of maybe one day being a Major League Baseball player.
1: And it happened. I mean, your third round, 1974 draft by the Angels. So, I mean, wh- what age were you when you kind of figured you might get drafted out of high school? And, I mean, it was a pretty easy decision to, you know, sign rather than go to college?
0: Uh, I probably realized when I was, 16 years old that I was probably going to have the opportunity to sign out of high school. Of course, was not sure that I was going to do that. It was going to depend on where I was drafted and what type of money I would receive in, in order to sign. Uh, I was 15 years old. There was a couple of, about, actually about three scouts in the area here that started following me when I was 15. And uh, there was actually two of them from the time that they started following me until I the draft in june of 74 they never missed a game that i played in they were they would always show up now they might not stay for the entire game but they would be there so i be, I, I realized that i was going to have the opportunity and i was drafted as you mentioned in the 3rd round and the money was good enough although I, i'll tell you what i got to sign it seems like a pittance today but it was $32,500 to sign and that at the at that time was enough money that i felt like if i didn't make it in uh, professional baseball, I could still go back and use some of that money to, to pay for my education. So I went ahead and, and signed because I did. My goal was to try to be a Major League Baseball player, number one. So I wanted to pursue that as soon
1: as possible. Wow, thirty-two thousand five hundred. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's nothing compared to today. But that definitely was a pretty good amount, you know, back then. Did you did you get did you buy any big purchase? Did you have one thing that you spent part of that money on when you you know when you got that money?
0: Well, I I give you three guesses, and the first two do not count. But I'll tell you, I got <laughs> I bought myself when I came. Home, I I went out and played rookie ball, in Idaho Falls, mm-hmm. and when the season was over with, uh, and I got back home. I... <clears throat> Excuse me, I bought a Monte Carlo. There you go. So I bought myself a car. Very <laughs> Typical good. teenage boy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. you, know, you got to have a means of transportation, right? So,
0: oh, yeah. yeah. And, and at the time, you know, it was a really, really nice-looking car. And, of course, you know, you really think you're cool driving around town in your new <laughs> car. So that, that was the only treat.
1: Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Idaho Falls. I was going to ask you about that since the Royals currently have their rookie league team there. So you were 18 years old, 1974, first summer there in Idaho Falls. So, you know, what, what was it like for a kid, you know, first couple months on his own, out and about? What was it like playing in the Great Northwest there up there in Idaho Falls?
0: It, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, the travel wasn't bad at all because the year that I played, just four teams. There were just four teams in the league. There was Idaho Falls, Ogden, Utah, uh, Great Falls, and um, Billings, Montana. So the travel was actually very easy. Uh, it's beautiful country, uh, uh, you know, Montana and uh, Idaho, uh, Utah. It's just, it was just beautiful country. So that was very nice. The other thing that I really remember about it is how homesick that I was because I had never been away from home. And that two and a half months uh, just seemed like an eternity. And, but I, I did enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. We ended up being the league champions. We won the league championship. So overall, I would say it was a very good experience.
1: Yeah, well, 1975, then the next year, you split between Salinas and the Quad Cities. And I wanted to ask you about the Quad Cities in particular because, first of all, we had Bobby Knopp on the show a while back, and he was your manager that summer. And then you also you know, came over to KC eventually with a guy named Willie Aikens who was on that team. So do you remember yep. Aikens and Knopp in those years, young years pretty well?
0: Yes, um, <clears throat> you're right. I, I spent the first half of the year in Quad Cities, and then in the second half I was moved to Salinas in the Cali. League. Um, but Bobby Knopp was my, my manager for the first half of the season because, as you said, he was there as the manager in Quad Cities, and then I played for Bobby again the next year for a full season in double-A baseball in the Texas League. But I did play with uh, Willie uh, the first half of that season uh, in 1975, and Willie had a big year. I mean, he was the first actually, of course, I was just in my second year of professional baseball, but he was the first hitter that I recall seeing who really had power above what I had seen to that point. You could see he had some really serious big-time power. And I think that year Willie hit 17 or 18 home runs, just his first year. I think he was 19 out of college. He went, went to school for a year. And uh, you could see that Willie was going to be a hitter. And as it go, as the story goes, Willie and I played in 75 together, 76 together, uh, part of 77, 78, 79, and 80, 81 in Kansas City. And then later on, he finished up with his career at the major league level with us in Toronto. So Willie and I played together for many, 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 many years.
1: Very cool. I guess I'd forgotten about the Toronto. I knew that, but that's 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 cool. Um and then so 1976 and the year after that would end up being the last full season you'd spend at the minor league level. So you responded you were a Texas League All-Star in 76 at shortstop, even after you missed six weeks with a fractured left thumb. But what you know, I want to talk about next is 1977. So June of 77, you're playing for Salt Lake City in A, and you get that first call to the big leagues. So who gave you the news? Where were you at? How'd they tell you? What do you remember about that first call to the big leagues?
0: I remember it vividly. Uh, we, were, we were just starting a road trip in Tacoma, and we played the game that evening. We won the game, and as we were coming off the field, of course, you know, you're typically congratulating one, one another, and my manager, Jimmy Williams, met me at about the first baseline, and he stopped me and he said, Rance, you're not going to be with us anymore. You're going to join the big club in Minnesota tomorrow. And so the next morning I flew from SeaTac and joined the club in Minnesota, and uh, that was at the old ballpark in Bloomington, that's before they even built the the Metrodome. And kind of a claim to fame, if you will, my first night in the major leagues, although I did not play in the game, Nolan Ryan was the starting pitcher for the California Angels. Of course, the California Angels are Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim now. But there were. <clears throat> I remember getting back to the hotel and calling my dad and telling, telling him that I was going to the big leagues, and I think it sufficed to say I didn't get any sleep that night hmm. uh, because I was so excited. But it was like a dream come true, because, and I remember thinking to myself when I walked into that clubhouse and I put the major league uniform on for the first time, no matter what happens from this point on, I can at least always say I did play in the big leagues. And it was a childhood dream
1: come true. And that would be just the beginning, obviously. So your first big league game that you get in is at Milwaukee. It's June 18th of 77. Came off the bench. You had two A-Bs. You walked in your second one. I mean, do you remember much about that first game?
0: Yes, I mean, I, I pinch hit for, I believe I pinch hit for Orlando Ramirez, but I, I, I'm not positive about that. Uh, and I remember I grounded out, and uh, then I went out to short, and, of course, you know, the excitement, you're nervous. And all three hitters, that came, the first three hitters of the inning for the Brewers were all left-handed hitters. I know one was Cecil Cooper, the other was Von Joshua, and the other one I can't remember. And I remember thinking, okay, just give me a chance to kind of get my feet on the ground. Well, as it turned out, they all three grounded out to me.
1: <laughs> of course, the ball finds <laughs> you. So
0: And, you know, managed to get through it without kicking one or throwing one away. And then I later on walked. Uh, in the game, I believe it was the ninth inning, we actually ended up loading the bases. I was on third base. There was one out, and I was actually the tying run, I believe, at the time. And a guy, an outfielder by the name of Gil Flores, hit a ground ball to Sal Bando at third base. He converted it into a double play, and that, that was the ball game. So that's what I remember about the the... the my first game in the Major Leagues, where I actually got into the ballgame.
1: Yeah, well, it's five days later, so you get your first hit. It's the second game of a doubleheader at the White Sox. First at bat of the game, and I like to ask everybody I interview, I'm sure you you can name it, but who's the pitcher you got it off of? Francisco Barrios. You got it. You got it. All, All the hitters always know that, right? Yeah, it's a line drive
0: to center field. I remember that well.
1: Yep. Now, before we talk about you coming over to KC then, uh, a couple of position players with L.A. I wanted to randomly bring up. So a guy that we lost too young, obviously, that played to the Royals a bit was Tony Salida. What was he like?
0: Tony was a really, really nice man. Very, very nice man. He was soft-spoken. And I really liked Tony. And uh, it's, you know, tragically... uh, As you know, Tony was shot to death, but uh, he was a great teammate and uh, liked by everyone.
1: Here's a guy that I just randomly thought I'd bring up, because I know you kind of split time with him coming up, who played here a little bit later. What what was Dave Chalk like? Uh,
0: Dave was, uh, you know, when I got to the big leagues, I think Dave Dave had already played three years in the major leagues, maybe a little more than that. So he was like a veteran on the ball club, and and, uh, he was a very nice man, treated me very well, uh, and, and, and helped and helped me along. I think the biggest influence for me when I was with the, uh, the Angels that first year would have been Jerry Remy, the second baseman. Uh, of course, I was at short, so you kind of have a bit of a connection there in the middle of the infield. But he really is the one that kind of took me under his wing and, and uh, helped me along. But Dave was a great teammate, and we play together a little bit in, in Kansas City.
1: So it's December 6th of 1979, and you get involved in a blockbuster trade. So it's between the Angels and Royals, like we mentioned earlier, Willie Aikens, uh, and you come over for Al Cowens, Todd Cruz, and Dave Frost. So when you got that news, so do you remember where you were, how they told you, and what, what were your thoughts on that trade at the time?
0: I was at my parents' house, um, and the, that's, that's where they called and, that's, and told me that I had been traded to the Kansas City Royals. And it was an exciting time for me because in 78 I'd gotten hurt with the Angels. I hurt my back real bad, pretty, pretty severe injury. And kind of, that was kind of a setback for me. And I ended up spending most of the year in uh, 79 in AAA just trying to get back to where I was prior to the injury. And I kind of felt like being traded to Kansas City, number one, I knew that they had a great ball club at the time. It was a great, great franchise and a great place to be going to. And I kind of felt like it was a, a new start for me. So I was excited about going to Kansas City and um, I didn't get to play a whole lot while I was there, but it did work out well and was a great experience.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, 1980, the Royals obviously you know, make the World Series. What do you remember about that spring training when you first got there? What was the atmosphere like at, you know, with the team and your thoughts on that?
0: Well, the atmosphere I thought was a relaxed one. Of course, you had a new manager in Jim Fry uh, because at that time, obviously, Whitey Herzog had moved, moved, moved on. Uh, So a new staff in terms of the manager and and the coaching staff. But it was very relaxed. Right away I could sense it was a very confident bunch. uh, And it was a veteran team. You know, you had Hal McRae, Frank White, of course George Brett, uh, Amos Otis. Uh, And the pitching staff was pretty much a veteran staff, at least the the core of it Uh, and of course, that's the first big year that Dan Quisenberry had at the major league level. Uh, I believe he saved 33 games or so that year. Uh, but it was a very confident, very relaxed team. And uh, of course, that you know they went on and, and had a great year.
1: Now, how about uh, what do you remember about Brett chasing 400 that year?
0: I, I remember how amazing it was to watch George hit every day. It just seemed like it didn't matter how hard they threw, how soft they threw, what kind of breaking stuff they had. It just didn't matter. It just seemed like every day George hit the ball hard three or four times. And, uh, you know, he came up a little short. But to to be able to watch on a daily basis somebody for the course of a season hit 390 uh, was, you know, that's the only time I've ever been witness to anything like that. Uh, But it was phenomenal day in, day out just to watch him hit.
1: Now losing the World Series to Philadelphia. What are your memories of that World Series and those playoffs that year?
0: I remember uh, – the thing I remember the most was we lost a couple of games. Uh, in, in, we lost one in Kansas City that I felt we should have won because we had the lead late and, and gave up the lead, and uh, Philly won that ball game. And the other one I really remember that was the first game when we uh, jumped out to a pretty good lead – and we weren't able to hold that one, and we lost it. Uh, Bob Walk started for them, and we knocked, hit him around pretty good, but we just couldn't hold that lead. Dennis Leonard started for us, and uh, the Phillies came back and won that game, I believe, six to five. And that was a game we felt like we should have won. So, we could, reflecting back, we could have that that series could have definitely went either way, but the Phillies won it, we didn't. And then Willie Aikens with the four home runs. Uh, hitting two in the first ball game in uh, in uh, Philly, and then coming back to Kansas City and hitting two in a ball game uh, it was a remarkable performance.
1: So 1981, that next year, disappointing for you guys. I mean, you made the playoffs, but you get swept by the A's. So that 1981 season will be your you know your last year here in KC. What sticks out about that one?
0: The thing I remember the most about is for, you know, the first half of that season or or I should say, prior to the strike. Uh, you know, the ball club didn't play as well as the previous season. We just wasn't having a real good year. And then, of course, the 50-day strike, uh, remember that and everything that was involved with that. And then coming back, you know, you remember how they, they structured to, to try to have a playoff set up. So anyway, we win the second half, what technically I guess you'd call the second half of the season, and go to the playoffs against the A's. But I, I really – Felt like the attitude with the team at that point uh, was one that we really didn't kind of des- we really didn't deserve to be in the in the postseason because if there had not been a strike, uh, we probably wouldn't have made it to the postseason because we had really struggled at that point. And of course, uh, the A's took it to us pretty good.
1: Yeah. Well, what? How frustrating was that strike, by the way? What were you doing during it? What do you remember about that?
0: I, it, was, it was frustrating, but in reality, I, I think we all sensed it was coming. At least the players did. Uh, it may have shocked the owners at that time to some degree. Maybe they didn't think we would really walk out and stay unified. But I remember uh, uh, when, the, when it actually occurred and Dan Quisenberry, who was our team rep, told us, um, you know, made contact with us individually and told us we're going out. We're, we're going out on strike. And then so I went, I went back to Texas. I stayed for a while in Kansas City, then went back to Texas and uh, really just kind of tried to buy time and hope that uh, there would be a settlement and we could get back to playing baseball because during the course of that, that time frame, I did speak with Dan on a couple of occasions, and I remember both times he said, no, don't, you don't need to be in a hurry to come back because we're not close uh, to resolving the issues that we have to resolve and then uh, finally getting the call to, to come back and, and uh, resume the season. But it, w- it was difficult to go through it. Um, and I also, I also remember at the time that if we, ha- if we didn't go back, of course I wasn't making a lot of money, so if we didn't go back, I was going to have to get a job and work in the off season huh. in order to make ends meet. But fortunately we did go back, and then we got the, the postseason, so we got a l- you know got a little bit of a bonus there as well. So, it, it, I, at least I didn't have to get a job and go back to work.
1: <laughs> wow! So you played for both Jim Fry, who you already mentioned, and Dick Hauser. Kind of talk about those two and what they were like.
0: Well, Jim, you know, I, uh, Jim Fry. I, you know, I didn't have a lot of conversation with him. I, I, he, he was kind of more. I would say he was kind of like the old school manager. You know, he did his job. Not a lot of interaction with the with the players. Um. So I do remember that. That's kind of what I recall about him. Um, uh, Dick Hauser came over right after this. I think he he came to Kansas City uh, post the strike. I don't remember. He might have been there just prior to, but I don't remember for sure. But he wasn't there long enough for me to kind of really get to know him. Uh, Seemed like a a pleasant individual, somebody that would be um, uh, someone you'd enjoy playing for. But I really didn't didn't get to know Dick very well.
1: How about the city of KC? Do you have any memories of where you know the part of town you stayed in, and any hot spots? Yeah. Anything you liked about the city itself?
0: Uh, yeah, it's just a, I thought it was a great place to play, and Kansas City and the surrounding area is beautiful. And I really enjoyed the two years that I was in Kansas City. The first year I was there, I, I stayed in Shawnee Mission, and actually rented Joe Zeb's house. Oh, okay. And then the next year. Uh, Had rented a place uh, in Lenexa. Okay. So, but I remember the rolling hills, and it was very, you know, it's just a a really, really nice place to play. And of course, the fan support was tremendous. Uh, It's kind of like sold out pretty much every ball game. So I, I really enjoyed the two years there.
1: So you came back to spring training 1982 then with the Royals, but you'd be traded on March 25th to Toronto during that last week of spring training. Uh, I mean, were you expecting to make the 82 Royals before that trade, or did you kind of know the writing was on the wall at that point?
0: I, I hadn't thought about I never thought of it that way, but I had requested, I had asked that if there was any way possible that they trade me because I knew I was never going to get the, the opportunity to play there on any type of a consistent basis and I knew for me to have a chance to have a career at the major league level I needed to get uh, to move on and we we had went to Dunedin to play the Blue Jays we played that ball game and when the game was over John Shareholes and we we were getting you know ready to go to drive back down to Fort Myers John Shareholz and um, uh, Pat Gillick came into the uh, to the locker room there together, and when I saw them together, I thought maybe something's happened. And John motioned for me to come over and told me that you've been traded to the, the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, I actually rode with the team back to because I had to go, I had to, I needed to go back down to Fort Myers to pick up some personal things and, and so forth. And so I actually rode on the bus with the Royals back to, huh. uh, to Fort Myers that evening and then drove back up to Dunedin the next day.
1: Well, that would obviously be probably the best thing that's ever happened to you in baseball. So, 11 years with the Jays, you make the playoffs four years, you got a ring, you're known as one of the top 50 Blue Jays of all time. Uh, so, let's kind of start with that 83 season then. So, you hit a career high 324 that year, you OPSed 823. When you think back to 83 and hitting 324, you know, what sticks out about that what? summer?
0: Uh, actually, um, I hit 324 and 84. Actually.
1: Oh well, either way. But, but that's,
0: no that's, But the first to go to, to go back to 83 uh, in 1983. That was the first year where I really got back on track. 82, you know, I I struggled because I was trying to figure some things out and and make some adjustments. And so that year was, it, it was difficult, but w- it was a great learning experience. And then in 83, I hit 275, but almost half my hits were for extra bases. And, you know, that was kind of a breakout year for me, uh, was 1983. So from that point on, for about the next six years, seven years, you know, I had the best years in terms of personal accomplishment uh, that I had in baseball. And during the course of that time, of course, in 85, uh, we win the division for the first time, and uh, as you know, the history we up three games to one against Kansas City and lose. But '83 uh, that you mentioned was definitely a breakout year for me.
1: And then before we talk about '85, then so you know, kind of a younger Bobby Cox. What was it like playing for him?
0: He Bobby was really really good to play for, and uh, he he did I- interact with the players quite a bit, and uh, he was very easy to play for in the sense that Bobby really only had uh, three rules. One was you be on time. Two, you make sure you're prepared to play. And three, when the game starts, you play hard for nine innings, and you play the game the right way, and you play to win. And those are the three rules that he had. Uh, so he, w- he he was a great manager. Um, what he was able to accomplish did not surprise me, uh, and, but he, he was... Uh, a joy to play for. He really was.
1: And talking about 1985 then, so you guys are 99-62. and 62. You know, you can taste the World Series. You're up 3-1 to one, like you mentioned. You pretty much have the Royals beat you, would think, at that point. But then obviously Casey you know, somehow came back with all that resolve. What do you remember about them coming back and facing that Royals team in 85?
0: Well, I'll start with the first two games in Toronto, which we won. And then we go to Kansas City and we jump all over Saberhagen. And that was, again, you always have a game that you should have won that you didn't that sometimes comes back to, to, to haunt you. We, we go up in that game, and I remember prior to the game, we're going over, okay, how are we going to pitch these guys, you know, la, 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 that, the, the scouting report, that sort of thing. And Doyle Alexander was our starting pitcher, and I never will forget. He said, no matter what happens, I'm not going to let Brett beat me. So, which, it wouldn't have mattered if, who our starter was. We're not going to let Brett beat us. Now, and we get up in the ball game and for some reason he decides to pitch to George and George took him deep twice, two two run home runs as I recall, they come back and win that game, the next day we win game four, so now we're up three games to one, Danny Jackson pitches a great game against us in game five, he just shuts us down, Had to tip your hat, I mean he was, he was just tremendous that day then, but we still, we, we, we go back just having to win the one game out of two in our home ballpark and uh we know the, the result of that. Uh, they beat us twice, and then they went on and, and ended up, ironically enough, they're down three games to one against the St. Louis Cardinals and come back in our World Series champions. So maybe that year they were just a team of destiny, but it was great to go to the postseason with the, with the Blue Jays. Uh, it was great to be a part of that, that team for the first time in franchise history, went to postseason play. But uh, it was disappointing to lose, uh, but that's baseball.
1: Was that the most heartbreaking series or moment of your career?
0: No, it wasn't. Um, As tough as that was to take, the worst experience I had in baseball in terms of uh, wins and losses, we had, after a four-game series against the Detroit Tigers in 1987, we won three out of four against them in, in our park. We had Seven games remaining in the season. And I believe when that season was over, we had a three and a half or a four and a half game lead. I can't remember exactly, but we were in the driver's seat. And we lost in extra innings on Sunday, the last game. We, we, what we were, we had a four and a half game lead going into Sunday against Detroit. We lost that game. So now we have a three and a half game lead with seven to play. Or was it I, seven or six? I think it was seven. Anyway, it was actually with six games left to play. We didn't, lose, we didn't win another game. <laughs> we go to Detroit for the final weekend series. We lose by one run on Friday night, one run on Saturday, and Frank Tanana shuts us out, beats us one to nothing on Sunday. And that, So Detroit beats us by a game and goes to the postseason. Of course, they got beat by the Twins, but that was the worst experience that I had in terms of wins and losses because that was definitely a season that we should have went to the postseason. We had a great ball club. And we lost seven in a row to finish the season up and lose the division.
1: Ooh, ouch. That, that's That rough. was tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, 1989 then, you, I mean, you made it that year, faced the ridiculous Oakland A's, though, that year. Anything stick out about that 89 ALCS?
0: Yeah, Ricky. Ricky pretty much just took us apart. Uh, he had a great series. Uh, and, you know, when Ricky Henderson was a great player. Uh, and we just couldn't shut him down. And they had great pitching. They had a ball. They had a tremendous team. And it's always tough to lose. Uh, but really, that year I thought the Oakland A's were the best team in baseball. So when the series was over, actually felt like you know, being honest, we we lost to a better team that year. Um, but it was disappointing. But we had, a, we had a good team. We had a real good team. So we, we felt like we're going to get the opportunity again. And, and we did uh, in 91, Lost to the, we lost to the uh, Twins that year, but finally won it all in 92.
1: Yeah. Well, well, before we get to 91 then, a couple of other random questions I have. So September 14th of 87 with Toronto. I had to read this like three times. Ten home runs in the same game you guys hit against Baltimore. You had two that night. What do you remember about that game?
0: uh well the obviously the home runs um, <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah and and of course fred mcgriff hit a home run in that ball game and you know he went on to hit to hit 493 for his career um i remember that but the thing that i that i remember the most about that night was cal ripken senior took cal ripken out of the game i believe in the 8th inning and that ended a consecutive inning streak for Cal Ripken of, I believe, about 8,242 or 43 consecutive innings played. It ended that streak. And that's something that no one thinks about in that game because everybody obviously, you're going to look and go, 10 home runs, my goodness, which is a major league record that still stands to this day by one team in a game, hit by one team in a game. But that's what I remember is Cal did not finish that game, and it ended that consecutive inning streak. I know it was 8,200 and I want to say 43.
1: We'll go with it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> well, another thing that happened, uh, July eleventh, 1991, sales over the head of Kevin Reimer. Your uh, first inside-the-park home run, you hit that at Skydome. You remember that at bat pretty well?
0: I do. I hit it off Kevin Brown. And... Um, What I remember about that is once the ball got past him, I rounded, of course I knew it's extra bases, and when I rounded second base and I looked up to see what was going on in the outfield, I realized at that point that when the ball was hit, the center fielder did not break that way to kind of back the play up in the event that the left fielder couldn't make the play. So when I looked up after rounding second base, I am, not, this is not, I am not enhancing this story. My first thought was, my goodness, I'm going to have to make the entire trip. <laughs> and it's like, would somebody please pick the ball up and get it back in here so I can stop <laughs> at third base? And sure enough, as I get about halfway to third, I looked at the third base coach, John McLaren, and I, and I think it was John. And he's, uh, you know, he's got the arm cranking like, you're going. And uh, fortunately, uh, it wasn't a close play of anything of that nature at the plate. But I can tell you one thing. I was worn out when I got around <laughs> the bases. You don't realize how far that is to run until you have to do it all out. Oh, I'm sure. I guess that's the way to say it. But, um, yeah, that was my one and only inside the park home run at the major league level.
1: That beautiful sky dome. How nice was that building when it first opened? You know, How cool was that being a part of that?
0: It was really, really neat. It was state-of-the-art. Um, beautiful, beautiful ballpark, retractable roof, and of course, at that time, uh, the place was sold out pretty much every night, and it was just a wonderful place to play. I think the teams, when they came in to play us, I I think they they had to enjoy it just as much as we did, Um, especially if, I don't know if you ever had the opportunity, I doubt that you did, to ever be at uh, Old Exhibition Stadium in Toronto. Nope. Uh, Well, you didn't, you know, we... I had a lot of fun there. We had a lot of great experiences there, but it, it wasn't the best place in the world to play or watch a baseball game. So when we moved to uh, what was then Sky Dome, uh, it was it was state of the art and a great place to play.
1: I remember how cool it was with Sky Dome. the you know, first, you know, first park to have the hotel, the McDonald's. Wasn't there a Hard Rock Cafe in there or something? It was yes, there
0: there there was a Hard Rock Cafe there for many 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 years.
1: And a hot tub and all that stuff. So
0: yeah, they, pretty much anything you wanted.
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool. So going back to '91, then, so you make it back to the ALCS against Minnesota, lose that series three-one. Anything stick out about that year in particular? Uh,
0: They they just shut us down. I mean, '91 we had a good year. We didn't. We had a good team, not a great team, I would say, but uh, we won the division. We go to the postseason, and uh, I remember uh, Jack Morris beat us in Minnesota. Of course, they had Frank Viola, an outstanding pitcher. uh, the other guy's name—he good, good hard sinker ball pitcher. Tappany? Later went to Baltimore, and I can't think of his name.
1: Oh it's, no, uh, it's Scott Erickson uh, or Tappany? Oh my goodness,
0: his name's escaping me right now. Uh, but uh, you know, I remember how well they swung the bats against us in that series. When they needed a key hit, they got a big hit, and uh, uh, they had a center fielder. Sh- um, and not a center fielder, excuse me, because Kirby Puckett was a center fielder, but another outfielder. His name's escaping me. He had a big series against us. Shane was his first name. but I can't Oh, remember Shane, Shane Mack? Shane Mack, that's who it was. He had a big series against us. Um, and, uh, of course, they went on and had that great World Series against the, uh, the Atlanta Braves. And, of course, the, everybody remembers that seventh game uh, with Jack Morris uh, going the distance for the Twins and how they won it dramatically.
1: Yeah, one of the best pitch games ever in a World Series. So, 92, amazing for you guys, obviously. Uh, A bit tough on you personally. So, before we get to the World Series that year, uh, you appeared in 92 just a few September games, but basically missed it. Uh, I'm assuming due to injury. What happened that year? It
0: was uh, was due to the... uh, As you remember earlier in the conversation, early in 78, I hurt my back real bad, low back. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Just over the course of time, just the wear and tear, it, it just my back, I, it, as much as I tried to get on the field, I just couldn't, and I was activated in September. I was with the club all year. I was activated in September, was not on the uh, League Championship Series roster, but was on the 25-man roster in the World Series, although I didn't didn't get to, uh, to play in the World Series. It's probably a good thing that they didn't need me. But uh, was was on the 25-man roster during the World Series, but it was a great year. Um, uh, we had a we had a great ball club and uh, beat got some revenge against the A's and the uh, American League Championship Series beat them in, in six games, and then went on and beat the Atlanta Braves uh, in six, uh, winning the sixth game in Atlanta, which was kind of ironic because you know. Uh, beat the Braves we were managed by Bobby Cox who uh, there was still a few of us left on the ball club that had played for Bobby so it was kind of a little bit bittersweet in that sense but it was, it was great to be a member of a world championship team It's a great experience
1: Can you remember running out in that field to celebrate like it was just yesterday?
0: I remember running out there but it, you're so excited I don't remember anything specific other than we ended up on kind of the bottom of a big pile in the <laughs> middle of the field but uh, it, it, uh, it was just, uh, I really can't explain the feeling that you have, but it is euphoric and a lot of excitement. And when I reflect back, I think about how fortunate I was to have been a member of a world championship team because uh, that's not an easy thing to accomplish and be a part of. And I was very fortunate.
1: Was it an easy decision for you to walk away then at the end of that year?
0: Yes, I had made up my mind in spring training that no matter how the year uh, went, I was going to retire. Um, I knew my back was not good, and uh, I was 36 years old. And to be quite honest with you, I, I, was, I just knew that when that season was over, uh, I had had enough of playing baseball and was ready to move on.
1: Yeah, well, a thing that I, you know, you were known as a great leader and a great teammate. I've read that John Olerud and Jeff Kent kind of, you know, have called you one of the biggest influences. So what did that, and what does that mean to you?
0: Well, it means a lot to me. Um, I, I, I remember when I think John made the comment in Baseball Digest, I believe, and uh, Jeff Kent made the comment during an interview, I believe, with ESPN. And I would never, to be honest with you, I never realized that I had that type of influence um, with John and Jeff. Um, but it, it means a lot. I think it's a, it's, it's a wonderful compliment. And I'm proud of the fact that if I, not knowingly, but in some way help them develop as a player and help them along with their career, then um, I'm, I'm grateful to have been able to, to, to do that. But it's a really nice compliment. I, 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 but again, I honestly never realized I had that type of influence uh, with those two players.
1: Who were some of the, uh, the teammates in Toronto you were closest with, you know, when you look back? Some of the guys you stayed friends with and, and were closest back in those days?
0: I would say my closest friend would have been Jimmy Key. Okay, yeah. Um, he and I, for whatever reason, we just we hit it off. Um, and Todd Stottlemyre was a very mm-hmm. very good friend. Tom Hinkey. Uh, another very good friend. Uh, those th- those those three would have probably been the closest that I was, you know, in, in terms of uh, guys that kind of hung out together and had a lot in common. Um, my two best friends in Kansas City would have been Hal McCrae and um, the second year Lee May. Oh, okay. So Hal and Lee. Uh, and you know, you talked about influence earlier. Hal McCrae had a, a a tremendous influence on me when I was in Kansas City for two years. I learned a lot from Hal. he really took me under his wing, so I just pay him back compliment that he really had an impact on, on, on my career in the sense of how he influenced me.
1: Now two other random Blue Jays I wanted to ask you about that played for the Royals. I just realized both of their names are Pat now, but two guys I loved when they played here, Pat Borders, Pat Tabler. What were those guys like?
0: Well, I, Pat, I still see Pat Tabler quite a bit when I'm up there uh, really, really a fine man. Pat is uh, one of the one of the finest people I, I've ever been around in baseball. Uh, didn't play with him for, I think, a year, maybe two in Toronto. Uh, but he was a great teammate, understood his role, was a real professional, of course, has been very successful as an analyst post his career. And uh, uh, Pat Borders, Pat uh, did a great job for us as a catcher, and uh, he was – Pat was, uh, he was really nice. I was a little older than, than, than Pat, actually quite a bit older than Pat. So he and I didn't uh, do much together, but I, I got to know him fairly well. Nice young man. But Pat was mentally and physically tough. Uh, he could catch, you know, Pat, catch 140, 145 games. Uh, very physically and mentally very tough and durable. And... Uh, did a fine job in Toronto, was the MVP of the 92 World Series, and, of course, played for a number of other organizations. Uh, but always a, he, he was another guy that was just a very good teammate, played hard, and played to win.
1: Well, last Toronto question for you. And I, I've been trying to find and buy your Toronto bobblehead for a couple of years. It's kind of rare, but it, I think it actually turned out pretty well. It kind of actually looks like you. So your thoughts on having a bobblehead, you know, what, what's that like?
0: Uh, you know, it, it, well... I don't, first of all, I was surprised by it. That would be number one. <laughs> uh, number two, I think I would just say it's always nice to be recognized and remembered. So anytime somebody remembers, um, th- that's always a good feeling. And uh, I'm proud of what I was able to uh, accomplish uh, playing baseball, and I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I played a long time and was on a lot of good ball clubs. But, you know, life goes on. And people over time forget. So when somebody does remember, recognizes the name, and mentions it, um, I always appreciate it. Uh, But um, you know, baseball was something that I did uh, as a profession, but it, it didn't, it does not, it did not, and it does not define me as a person. But it's still nice to be remembered
1: absolutely well very last three questions for you then so circling back to KC then when you look back to your uh, your two years in KC what do you remember most and uh, I mean did you enjoy your times here overall is it all positive when you think back
0: it it was like I said I didn't get to play a lot so I didn't get to develop as a player in that sense but I was on a great ball club in 80 Um, it was a great place to play first-class organization and being around Hal McCray every day, since I didn't play much and he DH'd, we, we had to have a lot of conversation, and our lockers were right next to, to one another's in the clubhouse. And I learned a lot about how to play baseball from Hal McCrae. And uh, a lot of what I learned from him I was able to apply when I got the opportunity to play in Toronto. So in that sense, when I look back on it, it was a very positive experience.
1: Am I the first person who's ever interviewed you about your Royals days?
0: Uh, no, people right. have asked me about it before.
1: Okay, very good, very good. And then uh, last thing for you is, uh, you know, what would you like to say in summary, I guess, to, to Royals and baseball fans listening right now?
0: I would just like to say uh, to, to the to the uh, Royals fans, first and foremost, hey, congratulations, it was a great year for you. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough when I played there, it was a great ball club as well. We just came up a little bit short. But the one thing I would say Uh, I would add to it is enjoy it really really enjoy it because it's tough to go all the way you know last year you went to the seventh game and lost to San Francisco so I think everybody that plays for the Royals and follows the Royals understand how difficult it is to win it all so take it all in and enjoy it because there's no guarantee it's going to happen again anytime in the near future although they still have a very good ball club moving forward and just to summarize For me, I would say, you know, I was fortunate enough to play a long time on a lot of very good baseball teams, culminating being as a member of a world championship team in 92. I feel very blessed to have been able to play the game at that level, made a lot of wonderful friends, and and it was a a great, a lot of friends that I still have to this day, Uh, and it was, uh, I couldn't have been more blessed. It was a great experience.
1: Well well, thank you so much, uh, you know for all your time and for all the memories. It was a lot of fun talking to you and uh, you know on a personal level, I grew up watching you play and everything and admiring you from the other side when you were with Toronto and, and hearing my dad tell you that you played for the Royals and all that good stuff. So you know thanks for sharing some time with us and for all that you gave to the great game of baseball and, and definitely stay in touch.
0: Well, I appreciate you, you uh, tracking me down and giving me the opportunity to visit with you. I always love to talk about baseball and reflect on you know some of the memories, and uh, uh, moving forward. If if there's anything I can ever do for you, please let me know. And thanks again for having me aboard. I've really enjoyed it.